Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. Today, we are going to put the footballs away. We're going to talk basketball for the first time in a while. Uh, we'll talk about the John Morant, Tyrese Halliburton injuries, uh, the Wednesday slate of NBA matchups, and then uh, a rookie of the year market, which I've changed my mind on who I think should be decisively favored in the market about six times uh, already. <laughs> uh, and we can see where I am today uh, on that and where you are too. But let's start with Morant uh, and Halley and how their injuries impact the Grizz and the Pacers. Morant done for the season, kind of out of nowhere. Uh, Halliburton goes down, does the splits. Uh, it seems like it's not a super serious injury, but his return will be measured in weeks and not days. And for a team that is uh, not great outside of Tyrese Halliburton, that is a big problem. But let's start with Morant. Uh, the Grizzlies were kind of trending towards potentially getting back in the playoff mix, there, I think their win, their win total in the market went before Morant came back. Just before was in like the thirty-three and a half range, which uh, I bet a lot of the over, uh, and that's mm-hmm. not looking great now. Uh, and then that had ticked up to, I think, thirty-seven and a half yesterday before the news. So, uh, what are your expectations for the Grizzlies going forward? And is there any way to bet this? Yeah, <clears throat> I was, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I was with you. Uh, my numbers were saying, yeah, this is now a team to be, you need to be paying attention to. Um, they had a little bit of a, a tough stretch in the week of uh, New Year, uh, you know, uh, between Christmas and New Year's where they uh, had blowout losses, a couple blowout losses, but uh, otherwise they've been playing good basketball. This pretty much puts a nail on their season. Um, they uh, The ship was already a little bit on the way out of the harbor, and now I think it is officially on the way out of the harbor. Uh, and uh, 13 and 23, 13th in the West, you know, and just in general uh, ratings that say they're in the bottom five uh, in terms of net rating, in terms of simple rating system. All that checks out with my current numbers without Morant. Uh, his particular impact on the team is tough to replace. Um, and certainly the fact that they have also uh, lost Steven Adams for the year. Uh, is massive, um, and you know Desmond Bain and JJJ, they they looked way more lively playing with Morant, and that was kind of what gave you the idea that oh these guys might be the team nobody wants to play, and they'll knock any on the playing round. Um, but now I think realistically they're as a franchise more well suited to uh, you know kind of a pivot for draft position as opposed to pivot to try to uh, get into that play and mix. So 
Um, tough, tough break for the Grizz. Uh, tough break for John Murray because he was playing well. Uh, and I think uh, ultimately this is going to be a pretty, uh, uh, a pretty lost season for them. Uh, as far as betting it, uh, I think it does open up the door for. Um, you know, some of these other teams in the Southwest who have uh, pretty heavily loaded um, Grizzlies on their schedule at the end of the season, uh, they may be able to uh, pad their, um, you know, pad their wins down the stretch and help their seeding. Um, but uh, and ironically, the team that stands out the most a couple of games in March against the uh, the Grizzlies, who are probably going to be in tank mode, Oklahoma City Thunder. <laughs> This is uh this is this is a team that's not going away, Jay. Uh, and I think ultimately, um, uh, the fact that uh, uh, Grizzlies are going to be not competitive in those games could really help them. Yeah, yeah, I'm all in thunder. Uh, we can get to that at some point. But I think the sneaky thing with the Grizzlies is people, I think, were shocked at how bad they were without Morant when they just spiraled into what were they six and nineteen in the games that. He missed the start of the season and the expectation was that, you know, they would kind of stay afloat and they might be hovering around 500 by the time he got back. But the thing with the Grizz is that, like, you compare this iteration of the team to the team two years ago that kind of broke onto the scene uh, and kind of pushed the Warriors in the second round. And that team had so much depth and the depth is just completely disintegrated where, I mean, that team had guys like... Kyle Anderson and Dylan Brooks and Brandon Clark, who's injured at the moment, Tyus Jones, DeAnthony Melton. Uh, and they progressively lost some of those guys. Uh, and then they lost some more guys as well over the, from last season. Now all of a sudden, they keep relying on Derek Rose. Uh, and it's just all falling apart. And I think that a lot of these players are just very dependent talents. I mean, Stephen Adams obviously is a massive part of this as well, where he was mm-hmm. a huge part of their defense last season. Yeah. And now there's just, I mean, it's just too much to ask for Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson um, to do what they've been tasked to do on offense. Uh, and Marcus Smart as well. I mean, he made perfect sense next to John Morant. Mm-hmm. doesn't make a great deal of sense without John Morant. Uh, yeah. It's a tertiary offensive option. So, it's all falling apart um, for the Grizz, uh, and this is effectively a season to write off now. Um, they don't have a ton to move, like Luke Kennard, I guess. Can you flip Marcus Smart again and you just gave up stuff to get him? Probably not. Um, but I don't think there's really too many ways to, to bet on this now. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, he is out for a while now. The Pacers have been... A feel-good team this year, Rick Carlisle, kind of on the fringes of the Coach of the Year discussion. Now, as we record uh, on Tuesday, late afternoon, there are they are one of the five teams in the Eastern Conference who have a record of 21 and 15, um, which is kind of strange to look at. But uh, do you think there's any way to bet the paces coming off this injury? A uh, huge downside for them uh, with, in the absence of um, Al Burden. Um, there's a decent, uh, and honestly, you, you, I thought you couched it well in the setup. We're talking weeks, not days. Honestly, like when it happened and the reaction of everybody on the court, I think they were lucky that it's weeks, not months, um, because it looked like it could have been even more serious. Um, great, you know, the, the any kind of hamstring injury is going to be, uh, you know, especially impactful for a player like uh, Halliburton, who's so uh, effective with his movement. So it's uh, this is this is a problem for the Pacers who are playing really good basketball. Obviously, you're in season tournament runner up. Uh, and in general, a team that you know you kind of had pretty squarely uh, penciled into the top six of the Eastern Conference wasn't going to have to play their way in. 
Now, I think realistically, when Halliburton comes back, if they're sort of in that 10, 11, 12 range, I'm not going to be shocked. And they're going to probably have to put together some winning basketball in the months of March and April if they're going to want to even have a shot at the plan. And honestly, that's where they should be right now with the progression of a lot of these young players. Uh, the absence of Halliburton is massive. He's been one of the um, kind of brightest stories of this entire season. Uh, he's not in like the most improved player of the year race for some bizarre reason i can't really tell you why he should have been in that race because his improvement year over year was amazing uh and now you're going to backfill those minutes with more buddy healed more tj mcconnell more andrew nemhard none of those guys moved the needle even remotely as much as uh, halliburton did uh he was you know halliburton was in the discussion of top four guards in the uh, in the nba uh, and so his absence is going to be immediately felt. Um, Pacers defense is a disaster. Um, and they were really kind of making up for that with pace and offense. And that all kind of keyed on Halliburton. So uh, I think the Pacers are in deep trouble in the short term, in the medium term. And I think uh, we could uh, basically see the, um, you know, a, a number of teams that have underachieved to this point in the uh, Eastern Conference uh, jump them between now and when we get uh I mean, realistically, I'm expecting him to come back after the All-Star game. Yeah. I mean, Halliburton's most improved player case was kind of interesting where it did gather steam for a little while there, and then he started – he cooled off with his scoring, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, he was an All-Star last year, and he's improved his scoring by from like 20 to 24.9 points per game. It just doesn't resonate loudly enough. I think enough. It's a bit too much of a nuanced case, I think. It kind of – it's not It's not the same thing, but it's like – in 2022, I thought that two of the most deserving, most improved player cases were Jaron Jackson and Robert Williams, who <laughs> became like defensive monsters out of absolutely nowhere. And Jaron went from like a negative APM player to a plus three and was a defensive player of the year candidate. But because his scoring didn't leap up 10 points, he's just not a most improved player candidate. Now, Halliburton's case was a bit more overt than that, but he seems done for that now with this injury. Uh, Benedict Matherin was starting to get a little bit interesting for sixth man of the year, um, just given that he very much fits the mold of kind of chucker off the bench uh, who scores in bunches. But And he was starting to play a lot of minutes as well, which had kind of eluded him. I'm not sure Rick Carlisle's the biggest Benedict Matherin fan. Uh, but now that this injury, one, will undoubtedly weaken their record, at least it should, dumps them down into a different tier in the East. Yeah. Matherin might also just start. Like, who else can dribble and drive on this team really as a hub of an offense. So uh, I don't think that is as appealing anymore either. They're still minus 140 to make the play in. They have a pretty good cushion there, but uh, I wouldn't be expecting too much from the paces in the time being. All right, before we get to the Wednesday slate, NBC and Peacock kicking off Super Wildcard Weekend with a bang. Our doubleheader on Saturday begins at 3 p.m. Eastern. So we lead you up to Browns at Texans. Then tune into a Peacock exclusive matchup between the Dolphins and Chiefs at Arrowhead at 8. And we'll wrap up the weekend, bringing you an NFC battle between the Rams and Lions with coverage at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Notable Wednesday matchups, Drew, in the association. I think the big one uh, is Minnesota at Boston, uh, who had an awesome matchup earlier in the season. That's the one that really leaps out to me. Philadelphia, Atlanta, not super compelling. Looks like Joel Embiid will miss. OKC at Miami. Jimmy Butler will be out. Pelicans at Warriors is somewhat compelling as well. But what's your take on Minnesota-Boston? Yeah, a huge uh, advantage for Boston in this one, uh, not just situationally, but uh, their offensive stylings against the strength of the Timberwolves defense. Um, you know, I, I would expect that you get, uh, you know, some of these uh, wings for the uh, Celtics to try to pull Gobert away from the basket and uh, really kind of make, you know, bring out the worst in him, honestly, as a defender. Um, a lot of options for the, uh, um, you know, for the Celtics to pivot into. Uh, five out type of uh, lineups. And I think that's exactly how you want to attack the Timberwolves. Timberwolves in general, I don't think anything about what they're doing is fake. Like this team is very, very good. Best defensive team in the NBA. And uh, numbers back that up. And it all makes sense because it all revolves around Gobert. Uh, he has had a revelation, uh, certainly, uh, this season. But, uh, you know, there have been a handful of teams with lineups that are as diverse and as dynamic as the Celtics that have given the Timberwolves trouble. And so I think this sets up uh, pretty poorly for the Timberwolves to be competitive in this contest. I mentioned the situational spot. Um, Timberwolves are at the tail end of the most um, the demanding physical portion of their season. Uh, this is the most fatigued that they're going to be all year. And so drawing the Celtics in that spot is not good. Uh, my only kind of concern about getting a little nuts uh, playing the Celtics, uh, you know, laying the points here. Celtics got uh, Milwaukee on deck on Thursday. It's a more important game. Uh, and I think the Celtics are in a brutal, brutal spot there with Milwaukee having a ton of rest and, and time to prepare for that game. So decent chance you see that uh, Boston pulls a little, uh, um, you know, pulls the rug a little bit here um, and uh, maybe isn't, uh, you know, doesn't have the starters in the, in for the second half of this game. So I'm going to take some uh, Celtics first half in addition to laying the points for the full game and as opposed to just uh, heavily staking the full game for the Celtics. But uh, Celtics are the best team in the East. They're the best team in the NBA. Uh, and I think uh, they match up quite well here for uh, putting some, you know, put, putting, putting a little bit of a hurting on uh, what has been a very, very good defense for uh, Minnesota so far this season. Yeah, Minnesota... I don't really have a great feel for them at the moment because on the one hand, yes, they do have the best record in the West. They have the number one defense. They're also sixth in the NBA in net rating, and they're only fourth in the West. They have a worse net rating than Oklahoma City, Denver, the Clippers, who I think have all kind of played better than Minnesota this season, mm -hmm. particularly lately. Minnesota's right in the range of the Pelicans, which is a little bizarre. Also, their defense over the past 10 games has kind of – like they're just screwing around in games at the moment, the mm -hmm. Wolves, uh, after they started, had an incredible start to the season. Their defense, they got a 113.5 D rating over the past 10 games. That's good mm -hmm. for ninth in that span. And look, still, if you're messing around and having a down patch and you've still got the ninth best defense in that span, that's okay. But 
Uh, I do think there are some frailties. Um, someone who's been very in on Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year, mm-hmm. is very kind of jittery, being like, are they going to keep screwing around for the next 20 games? Is this kind of going off the rails? But the thing is, is they banked such a big lead in terms of their team D rating. Like they're almost two points per 100 uh, in front of second, who's Boston. Uh, and who don't and Boston don't really have a defensive player of the year candidate. Uh, and the fact also that they've just banked this 25 and 10 start. And if they're going to have a top two defense uh, and a top three seed, then I don't really see uh, many paths for Gobert to lose that award. So I think that his market price, which is in the minus 150 range, uh, is fairly justified at the moment. Sure. Uh, yeah. Anything else on the slate or, or part of that game that jumps out to you? Well, I, I want to circle back on DPOI because I care about it. Yeah. <laughs> I also no, no, have some Rudy and I have, I'm have i against the second choice right now, who's Anthony Davis. Um, <clears throat> tough to see the Lakers. I don't getting any award. Yeah, oh. tough to see them getting any award consideration the way they're playing right now. Um, and uh, right now their D rating 113.4 is, is pretty meh. Uh, good for ninth overall. Uh, I don't know the, how they leap into the discussion in the top five and the other top five, you know, basically to be the DPOI, you need to be on a top five defense. And right now that's the Tim- Timberwolves, the Celtics, the Magic, the Rockets, and the Sixers. Uh, there's an outside chance that the Pelicans move into the top five, but I don't really see it. There's an outside chance the Cavs do it. Uh, I'm not 100% sure what that, you know, how that uh, team holds up for the balance. But um, is there anyone... Besides, uh, you know, I guess if not Rudy, uh, who is the uh, the next challenger? Uh, Joel Embiid potentially, yeah. um, but he is dealing with, uh, and this is a popular topic at the moment, with just the amount of games that Embiid is missing, where he can only afford to miss, I believe, eight more games for MVP, uh, and that's also that same rule applies to DPOY. So he's starting to kind of teeter for that. I mean, statistically. Uh, by DEPM, he kind of laps the field at the moment, Embiid. Uh, mm. And they've got the third-ranked defense, which is, again, that's what you need. Uh, his advanced stats in terms of, like, the rim protection stuff and on-off, like, he's not really far off Rudy at all. Uh, it's just it's always difficult for an MVP candidate in DPOY. I think they're just held to somewhat of a higher standard, even though Giannis did do the double in, I think, nineteen twenty. And I think Michael Jordan did it as well. But I believe those are the only two guys. So I think Embiid, the other thing too is that I just question whether Embiid and his effort level on defense will sustain the whole year, particularly mm-hmm. as he's dealing with all these nagging injuries. Sixers are also getting like incredibly lucky with shooting luck, which also I think ties into why um, they may just fall off as a team in general. I think they're getting the most lucky of any team uh, on opponent mid-range jumpers uh and they're pretty close to the top as well on opponent three-point shooting luck so mm-hmm. uh I, and i mean almost by default you could make the case that he's the second favorite but i don't fear davis i don't think i mean i was kind of in on the idea that drew holiday could be a contender but he's just like he has no case over Derek white or really Kristaps Porzingis. so he might be the third candidate on his own team in terms of merit the Magic, I don't really think Jalen Suggs is going to win Defensive Player of the Year. I don't think Dylan Brooks on the Rockets, who are fifth. I don't think Herb Jones. Chet Holmgren has a great statistical case, but right now they're the number seven defense and he's a rookie and he just doesn't he doesn't have the pedigree yet for most voters, I think. If they had the number one defense, it might be a different story, but I don't really see it with Chet. 
I would be looking at guys like Bam Adebayo, who's in the 30 to 1 range. If the Heat can vault up from the 13th D to the number five and the Wolves fall off, I could see it for him. But it's a pretty uninspiring field at the moment. Is there anyone who jumps out to you? And AD is like, they got the 12th ranked defense. The team's under 500. It's a disaster team. But he, he has so much ground to make up. Yeah, I, I, that was kind of my thought as well, and I'm just kind of glad you're in the same spot. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think DPOI uh, of all of the awards is probably the the hardest for anyone to uh, to make a strong case against Rudy. Um, and the fact that we've had kind of a, a full flushing of kind of uh, voter fatigue uh, on the, uh, on Gobert is is useful. Um, you asked about the rest of the slate on Wednesday. <clears throat> this is one of the more um, this is one of the weirder slates. Uh, we have wild, wild um, inequity in terms of rest and fatigue. Interesting to look at uh, Denver right now, who is at Utah. Usually Utah has the elevation advantage, but Denver much well, more well-rested here. And also Denver coming off of a pretty embarrassing uh, performance against the Magic. So that'll be an interesting uh, spot for them to bounce back. They're laying seven. Uh, I have that one circled. I have the uh, Clippers circled uh, against Toronto. Toronto has not performed well when fatigued at all this year uh, and they're back down in the in the uh, uh, kind of the the business end of uh, a very difficult road trip so Toronto is uh, on fade alert uh, San Antonio Spurs uh, huge advantage against the Detroit Piston I know we'll talk about the Spurs more in a minute but um, you know I'm, I'm excited to see where that line uh, goes it's open at three right now and I've seen seen some nibbles up to three and a half I could see that going to five as people kind of digest what a bad spot this is for the home team Pistons uh, and then uh, rounding out the uh, the wild disadvantages, uh, the uh, Chicago Bulls, uh, decent spot uh, against the uh, Houston Rockets and the Charlotte Hornets. Interestingly enough, uh, biggest advantage on the board against the Sacramento Kings. Kings have also performed quite poorly when they've been tired so far this season. So uh, decent spot to look for uh, Charlotte to pull off an upset there. Yep, I like that breakdown. Okay, let's get to... Rookie of the year, as you foreshadowed with the Spurs, but firstly, reigning National Player of the Year, Caitlin Clark, continues her incredible senior season Wednesday on Peacock. Clark and Iowa head to Purdue, where the Boilermakers are undefeated at home, watch two of the hottest teams in the Big Ten face off at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, exclusively on Peacock. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Rookie of the year. I can't remember a market where I flip flopped so much in the first 35 games of a season where mm-hmm. I came into the season thinking that uh, Wemby was just going to walk it. 15 games in, thought, okay, 
I think Chet is going to walk it. Uh, and then flip-flop to Wemby, back to Chet. Now I'm back on Wemby. I think Wemby's going to win. Uh, and he is the dog <laughs> at plus 135. Chet is minus 200. Uh, I get the Hakez Jr. hype, but I don't think he is really in this race until unless both of these guys go down and go down fast as well uh, because there is no minimum games played requirement for this award. Uh, I'll get into why I like Wemby, but what's your breakdown here? Jay, I have the strongest position in the country in the Rookie of the Year market. I, I got, uh, I got, <laughs> I got, I got uh, Holger Holmgren at four to one. Because um, weirdly, there was a lag at the beginning of the season where he was playing well. The Thunder were winning, and it was like, uh, it doesn't look like Pop really knows or wants to use Wemby correctly. This could take a little longer than we think for him to kind of show his true colors. Uh, and Holmgren flipped from four to one up to minus one eighty. And at that time, you know, Wemby drifted. I think I got the bottom of the market at like plus two twenty, um, and <clears throat> that was actually lagged after like you know Pop made some adjustments. In terms of who we had him on the floor with, in terms of particularly asking, you know, what what his defensive role was, and he was playing significantly better, mostly on the defensive side of the ball. But you know, if you're performing that well defensively, like you're just going to be on the floor more. Uh, and so it was pretty clear that Wembyama was the bet at that point. And so I'm I'm I've cornered this one with a four to one and a two to one with equal payout. So I kind of don't really care <laughs> who wins now. But uh, to answer the you know, the question, who will win? I think it's going to be Wemby. He's playing phenomenally well right now like incredibly well and he is the prince who was promised Uh, and I mean Holmgren like I don't want to take anything away from what he's done which has been equally impressive this year and the Thunder are continuing to win they're going to continue to win they're going to be a top two seed in the West from what I can tell you Um, but uh, you know there is scope for Holmgren to get injured he is a little more fragile certainly and Wemby for what it's worth uh, you know that if he comes on strong uh, through the middle portion of this season it's going to be tough for people to kind of pivot even though it's going to be a huge disparity in terms of team wins um i think people will kind of have to really rationalize and think hard about why are the thunder winning it's team effort it's coaching it's sga's emergence as a superstar like it's it and and chad is helping right as opposed to uh wemby who looks like he is exactly who we thought he could be um, you know, kind of maturing into a, a real deal NBA, you know, star. So um, I worry a hair about betting Wemby at this price because we could get to March and he could pick up a, you know, a nagging injury and they shut him down for the year because they're just not playing for much. And it's more important to have him 100% to start the next campaign than it is to play him deep into this season. Um, but uh, yeah, feet to fire right now. Who do I think will win? I think it's going to be uh, the Frenchman. Yes, I agree. And I think there's a couple of factors why. The biggest one to me is Trey Jones and the fact that Trey Jones is now starting. I have no idea what Pop was doing for the first 30 games or whatever of the season where playing points Sohan and doing and playing Wemby next to Zach Collins. It was just complete (laughs) malpractice. And I don't even understand, like, like, what's the point? Like, you can still lose games and just play the real lineups. And now that he's playing with a point guard, like, the stats – uh, with Wemby on the court with Trey Jones versus Trey Jones off are just so startling. So mm-hmm. Wemby's true shooting with Trey Jones off the court, 50%. Uh, 60% with Trey Jones on the court. Uh, Wemby's scoring goes up nine points per 100 possessions with Trey Jones on the court. His usage goes slightly up and just makes sense. Like when it was so hard, they just can't get Wemby the ball. Like he's not 
he's just not getting clean looks at all. And with Trey Jones, like, oh, look, this guy can run a pick and roll and Wemby's allowed to dunk now. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. if this holds, if we stay on the status quo and these guys stay relatively healthy and Trey Jones stays in the starting lineup, or just the point guard stays in the starting lineup, Pop plays real lineups, I think what we're going to end up with is Wemby is going to end up at like slightly over 20 points per game, 10, 11 rebounds, three and a half blocks, and he's going to lap Chet in those three categories. He's going to be less efficient than Chet. That is already kind of locked in. I think there is a decent, there is some chance that Wemby like leads the league in DAPM, which is insane considering yeah. the talent around him uh, and the fact that he's, he could do it on a team that right now is five and thirty as we speak. Um, I think that Chet Chet is going to end up with a better. He's going to end up with a more efficient case, better team case, better advanced stats case. But I think Wemby lack, lapping him in counting stats, bridging the gap with the advanced stuff um, and just being a cultural phenomenon, I think that is going to get him home. The concern is, is that, to your point, they just start screwing around with, I don't know why he has a minutes limit at the moment. Like, what, what are they doing? How is he able to play and look the way he does? And then he's on a minutes limit, which mm-hmm. everyone that I've spoken to or read on Twitter seems to think it's completely insane from a medical perspective. Yeah. Uh, but I think ultimately there are a lot of factors in Wemby's favor. And I think ultimately people just want to vote for the phenom. And if it's close... Yeah. I think they're going to skew Wemby. Yeah. I think that Chet is going to get a lot of votes and you're going to see a lot of people come out with why Chet Holmgren is uh, Rookie of the Year and those are going to be the same people that voted Emmanuel quickly, Sixth Man mm. of the Year, uh, and he's going to lose is my is my take overall. All right. Uh, this was the perfect day to talk about this, Jay. The Spurs have won five of their 35 games this season. Yep. They're about to win five of their next seven. Wow. Declaration. Yeah. Uh, are they playing the Pistons seven times? They're playing the Pistons, the Hornets, the Bulls, the Hornets, and the Wizards in their next seven games. That's good. Yeah. Nice they win all you know, the the Bulls game is in San Antonio. They have a nice uh they have like a nice pacing in terms of rest and uh only uh only back to backs with uh Hornets Bulls and then Hornets Wizards back to back. But um <clears throat> right now I would uh, you know, net rating has them as the worst team in the NBA. That's not correct. Um, you know, I mean, at least that I don't think anyone actually uses net rating to handicap a team. But just so you know, if you're just snapshotting, well, are these guys good. Well, yeah, they're last in net rating. But honestly, like uh, this team should probably, at least by my numbers right now, they're the 25th. I have them rated very, very similar to the uh, team overall power rating to Chicago. Um, and I think Chicago and Utah, by the way, uh, I would have them over Memphis, Portland, uh, Charlotte, Washington, and Detroit in terms of just team rating. Um, so the wins are going to come, I think, over this middle portion of the season. Uh, and uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, the you know the, the fact that he's already kind of emerged as this player and this quality of a player um, combined with a team finally finding some success, I think is going to be enough to flip this market again. Yep. I think the key inflection point for this market and what it kind of hinges on is are people going to punish Wemby for being on a bad team relative to Chet's awesome team or are they going to excuse his inefficiency relative to Chet because of his context and I I don't really I don't know the answer to that but my gut is that uh wanting to vote for the phenom colors people's in um kind of perceptions and what they want to do ultimately is is want to vote Wemby and they view it in that light. And I'm not entirely sure that would be the wrong light. Like I right now probably vote Chet. Uh, but I think 
the voting public, which voted Malcolm Brogdon over Emmanuel quickly, uh, I think that they are going to lean um, to the loud counting stats uh, of Wemby. There is a, maybe people will just be like, no, Chet's contributed to a team that's a top three seed in the West and that's more important than Wemby's gargantuan numbers. That's entirely possible. I might have the wrong read on that, but my sense is, is that people really want to vote um, for the greatest prospect of all time uh, yeah. who is living up to the hype. Um, so yeah. that's my best sense at the moment and I would have him favoured in this market. Um, now, we'll see how I feel in 11 days. Yeah. And, and like, honestly, like... Uh, I know that this is stupid to think of it this way, but I still like the idea that there's going to be three awards given to the Thunder. Like people are going to wrestle with SGA MVP. People are going to give Dagano Coach of the Year. Like yep. if there's one of those three that probably that you know that you have, well, there's another really good candidate, and he also is a guy we know is going to be very, very like Hall of Fame, you know, trajectory. Uh, I think that Chet probably falls a little bit by the wayside relative to the other Thunder Award winners. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I think overall, and I agree with you, I think overall it's a little bit overrated being like, oh, I have to reward this team on my ballot. Uh, I have to do this. And that's just not really how it works. People don't go into an awards ballot being like, I must reward the Boston Celtics with an award. It's like, no, I think the people... They go in and they think about the award and they choose the candidate they think is best. And then I do think they look over their ballot at the end. And this is it's a random thing that I think applies to the NFL this year where for a time there was the idea that, I mean, there still might be the idea that the Cleveland Browns could win coach of the year, defensive player of the year, uh, <laughs> comeback player of the year, and assistant coach of the year. And I think some people might initially have put those names in uh maybe some maybe someone has that on their ballot all four of those guys number one fancy garrett flacco <laughs> and schwartz and but then i think that you would just as a human being be like hold on they're giving four of the eight awards this random 11 and 16 that's a five seed like that doesn't seem entirely right with me uh and look i think there is a good chance and i would make these guys favorites in their market i think that D'Amico Ryan, CJ Stroud, and Will Anderson, same, I would make them all favored to win their awards. Yeah. And those are three awards. But I think the Houston Texans are kind of the story of the season in a way for a lot of people. Sure. Fact, they went, and I think that they are more so than this Cleveland Browns team. And also it's three awards instead of four. So I do mm -hmm. think that that is a bit of a factor where maybe the Thunder becomes such a story of the season. If they get the one seed, maybe it becomes easier to vote all three of Shea, Dagnow, and Chet. Yeah. Uh, and also to your point, like it's not so much that in a way it's not so much that oh, I can't vote for these three guys. It's also just like how do you apportion credit? Like I, I, there, to me there has to be some sort of anti-correlation to voting like Stefanski coach of the year and Flacco comeback player of the year. Cause like who, well, what are you saying? Like, is yeah, it well, Flacco or is it Stefanski? Who's responsible for <laughs> yeah. what's happening? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. so I think it could be a similar thing to an extent with OKC. Yeah. Final tiny uh, tiebreaker point here. That's not a freaking rookie. These rules are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> he had a whole year of development. He wasn't playing. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know, man. I, I, and honestly, like, I know that's, that's, it's never how it's been. Talk, it's never it's not an actual decision point for anyone but uh if you're holding these two up uh i would give it to the guy who actually is in his first year in the nba yes i think that's fair also there's a chance that the boston celtics win like 64 <laughs> games and then that's not a great point awards candidate but yeah. you know what, like who's gonna 
I mean, Missoula would be the guy, but I don't think Missoula's going to be Dagenau if Dagenau's the top two seed and he's going to have to dodge other cases as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess their reward is going to be maybe Jason Tatum, first team all NBA, or Derek White, first team all D. Like, it's not, it's, but that's just how it is. Like, the Sixers, when they got the one seed in the COVID shortened season, they didn't get anything. Ben Simmons got like 16 votes for Defensive Player of the Year and mm-hmm. Doc didn't sniff Coach of the Year and they were a one seed. Philadelphia Eagles last year were yep. the team of the season in a lot of ways. They did not sniff a single award. So that's just mm-hmm. how it goes sometimes. All right, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those. If you're watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel, please rate and subscribe if you're listening to us as a podcast. And a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. We'll see you soon. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.